Praise God. Praise God. Turning tonight to the book of Hebrews, the 12th chapter. Very uh, simple message that I feel on my heart tonight. And this is Sunday night at Conyers a few weeks ago. And it's what I feel on my heart for this service this evening. Hebrews chapter 12. And uh, thank you again, Brother Davies. Appreciate him and his family. Just thinking today, as Brother uh, P.J. White was up here singing what, how, how God has blessed the Davies family and uh, become connected to the White family and the Holmes family and the Pope family, uh, Trevino, some of the finest families in Pentecost. And, of course, the Davies, uh, likewise. You know, after a while, we're all going to be related. We keep this up. We're all going to be related. Amen. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 12 and reading beginning with verse number 18. For you are not come unto the mount that might be touched and that burned with fire, nor unto blackness and darkness and tempest. And the sound of a trumpet and the voice of words, which voice they that heard entreated that the word should not be spoken to them any more, for they could not endure that which was commanded. And if so much as a beast touch the mountain, it shall be stoned or thrust through with a dart. And so terrible was the sight that Moses said, I exceedingly fear and quake. But you are come unto Mount Zion and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem and to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn, which are written in heaven and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect and to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the blood of sprinkling that speaketh better things than that of Abel. See that you refuse not him that speaketh, for if they escaped not who refused him that spake on earth, much more shall not we escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth. But now he hath promised, saying yet once more, I shake not the earth only, but also heaven. And this word yet once more signifieth the removing of those things that are shaken as of things that are made, that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Wherefore, wherefore we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear for our God is a consuming fire. A little more of a lengthy reading tonight, but I want to especially focus on verse number 28. Wherefore we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. 
Amen. My message, to, uh, my subject tonight is simply this uh, acceptable service to an exceptional kingdom. Acceptable service to an exceptional kingdom. Praise God. Amen. Would you just lift at least one hand up if you can and let's ask God to help us in the remainder of this service. Lord, one more time I entreat you. I submit myself to you, a flawed and imperfect vessel, so inadequate. And yet I pray that you would use me for your glory. Empower me, God, with your word. Let your spirit rest upon me. Help me, God, to declare and articulate your will for this service tonight. Hallelujah. Let your will be done. Let your will be done in this service this evening. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, God, would you have your way? Would you have your way? In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen. God bless you. You may be seated for a little while. It is uh, uh, almost midnight, and uh, so I'm going I'm to be preaching on into the wee hours tonight. Hallelujah. Praise God. And that, that's uh, Georgia time, by the way. But, uh, you know, I, don't, I, I think that uh, the majority of folks in our churches uh, do not really fully realize the awesomeness of what uh, they are in and what we are a part of here this evening, nor the price and the effort that it took to bring this to us uh, because uh, uh, many don't stop to think about the fact that it has not always been this way. Uh, it was not always possible to approach God in this manner. And having church the way we're having church was not known for a long, long time. Thousands of years this was uh, not even possible, not even attainable. And so when you look at uh, the way that things were at one time, uh, it, it's, uh, it's, a little bit, uh, uh, it's a little bit sobering when you think about it. And here the Word of God refers to Moses and, uh, and the people of Israel uh, way back in the Old Testament. And, uh, you know, when Moses had his first encounter with God, it was at the burning bush on the backside of the desert. And uh, when he saw that phenomenon and he decided to turn aside and see uh, what was going on, and a voice spoke to him out of that burning bush. And the very first thing that it said to him was, take your sandals off because the ground that you're standing on is holy ground. The presence of God, when it rested on that burning bush, it made the surrounding area sacred to the point that Moses had to approach carefully and cautiously uh, to the presence of God. And yet, in spite of that experience, later when he comes to Mount Sinai with the people, as is referred to here, 
And uh, no doubt they uh, had anticipated this experience. And uh, Moses had told them, we are going to meet with God. That was the, the whole purpose of them going out of Egypt, was so that they could go and have this encounter with God. I don't know what they had thought in their minds that it would be, how they had imagined it, but I, I just somehow believe that it was not at all the way that they expected it. As that darkness descended on the mount and the whole place began to shake and they heard like the sound of voices and, and trumpets and, and the whole scenario was so frightening and so disturbing, amen, that uh, the Bible said they, they just requested that, they, that that voice not speak to them anymore. They were not as excited about coming close to the awesome presence of God as what they thought that they would be. Hallelujah. And the whole place was so hallowed and so sacred that it says here that even if a beast touched the mountain, it was to be stoned and thrust through with a dart. I'm telling you, the presence of God is an awesome thing. It is a holy thing. And, and the whole, even Moses, who had already had his experience with God at the burning bush, it was troubling to him. It was so terrifying that Moses said, I do exceedingly fear and quake. You know what? If all of this was stripped away and we suddenly... Uh, were exposed to the presence of God in the way that they were on that day. Amen. This would be a whole different atmosphere here tonight. Hallelujah. It was just not that easy to come close to God. All of the great personages of the Old Testament, uh, they could just dream of being in the presence of God, but they could not really approach it. Amen. After the tabernacle was established, just one man could go in once a year into the Holy of Holies. And yet he went in fearfully and with trepidation and not without blood to stand for just a short time in the Shekinah glory of God. But everybody else could only imagine it and try to envision it and hope that someday they might be able to. Even great men like David, David spoke about his longing to be in that place. As the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. He couldn't come on the inside. All he could say was, I'd rather just be a doorkeeper at the house of my God. A day in thy courts is better than just standing on the outside is good enough for me even though he could not approach into the inside. Amen. And that's the way it was. Even the great prophets who were not consecrated to stand in that holy place could not approach. They were mightily used of God, but they could never experience what we experience here this evening. You're going to help me preach here for a little while. That's the way it was for a long, long time, many hundreds of years, thousands of years. The Spirit and the presence of God was simply not approachable as it is today. But I'm so glad that it didn't stop there. I'm so glad it didn't stay that way. But the Bible says we are come unto Mount Zion, the city of the living God. I'm so glad things are different now. 
I'm so glad God is approachable now. I'm so glad a way has been made so that we can come into this place and come into this house. It's more than just a church building. This is the city of the living God. This is his domain. This is his jurisdiction. What is acceptable out there is not acceptable in here. What is done out there is not done in here. Amen. We, we, we operate under a different law in here than what they operate out there. I was telling my wife that Oregon and Washington are two of the most liberal states in all of the country. About anything goes up here. But you know what? They might do that out there. But in here, this is the city of the living God. It's his bailiwick. It's his jurisdiction. Hallelujah. The jurisdiction of the governor of the state of Oregon stops at those doors. When you come in here, it's God's house. The jurisdiction of the president of the United States stops at the door. When you come in here, it's a different law. It's a different environment. Praise God. Hallelujah. Abortion might be okay out there, but it's not okay in here. Homosexuality might be acceptable out there, but it's not acceptable in here. Immorality might be okay out there, but it's not okay in here. Perversion might be done everywhere out there, but it's not done in here because this is the city of the living God. It's His law. It's His rule. It's His domain. Praise God. And the Bible says, you can be seated, we have come also into an innumerable company of angels. We are sitting in the midst of an atmosphere that we cannot even begin to envision. If our spiritual eyes were open tonight, there is no telling what we would see. Hallelujah. We might see what Isaiah saw when he went into the house of the Lord. And he saw this, uh, the Lord sitting on a throne high and lifted up. And those seraphims that were crying around the throne, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Hallelujah. Amen. I was preaching in Brazil a couple of years ago, and we had a tremendous service. And, and when it was over, the altar service was going on, and one of the pastor's wives, not a flighty and, 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 and uh, a shallow person by any means, and she came up, and she had tears rolling down her face, and she had a little drawing that she had drawn, and she said, Brother LVR, I want you to see something. And she said, while you were preaching tonight. I saw an angelic being standing behind you and she had drawn a diagram of it and with wings of gold and of silver that were standing behind me, towering over me, amen, as I preached the word. You might say, well, I don't believe that, but I do believe that. If our eyes were open, it would be amazing what we would see in this house this evening. We have come into an innumerable company of angels, millions and millions and millions of the mighty angelic hosts of God, some of which are in this room tonight. And if you won't praise him, they will. Just a little more monitors, if you would. 
Hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise God, praise God. Oh, yes. And it said the assembly of the firstborn. Amen. Uh, what great characters have graced this kingdom down through the centuries. What a gallery of fine individuals going all the way back to Enoch and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and, and David and Moses and, and all of the great prophets. If we could have a gallery here tonight of some of these individuals that have been a part of this kingdom, not only in the Old Testament but down into the New Testament, we are in great company tonight of some of the finest people that have ever walked the face of this earth have been a part of the kingdom that you are a part of tonight. And the Bible said the spirits of just men made perfect. I'm not sure what all that means, but I just know there's a whole lot of people that have passed through this kingdom who came in raw, amen, who came in in bad shape, but God did something marvelous in their life, amen, and perfected them and made them into saints of almighty God. Millions have passed this way before. And to Jesus, just listen to me for a little bit tonight. And to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant. Oh, think about Calvary and the price that was paid there. Think about the horrors that took place on that day. Bring the image into your mind, amen, of the tremendous lengths to which Jesus went to produce and to provide what we have here. It was one thing for him to say, upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. It was another thing for him to purchase it with his own blood to purchase it with his own blood oh you haven't got it yet tonight to purchase it with his own blood blood unlike anything this world had ever seen there had been millions of gallons of blood that had spilled into the ground over the centuries of time but never blood like his blood this blood of the covenant when it ran down his body and down that splintery cross and seeped into the ground the ground had never tasted blood like that before and it began to shake and quiver oh I'm so glad for the blood it reaches to the highest mountain it flows to the lowest valley it's the blood that gives me strength from day to day. I'm talking about an exceptional kingdom. Amen. He not only went to Calvary, but the Bible said in Ephesians chapter 4 that he ascended up on high and led captivity captive. And not only that, but he ascended up above the highest heaven. And then the Bible said he descended into the lowest parts of the earth. I mean, he went the distance from way up yonder to way down there in order to bind up the spirits, in order to give victory unto this kingdom, in order to stand triumphantly and say, I am Alpha and Omega. I'm the beginning and the end, the first and the last, and I have the keys of hell and of death. 
so that we could have liberty here tonight, so that we could have victory in this place, so that we could say to the devil, depart from me, and he will flee from you. Praise the Lord. And this kingdom still is built on a firm foundation. Amen. We receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved. I'm glad that with all that's going on in the world today, amen, the foundation of God standeth sure. Having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his. 2,000 years and it hasn't moved yet. 2,000 years and it's still sturdy. 2,000 years and it doesn't even have hairline fractures in it. It standeth sure. It standeth sure. There's a lot of shaking going on today. And let me tell you who's behind the shaking. He's behind the shaking. If I read my Bible well, he said yet once more, I shake not the earth only. That means the earthly. But heaven also, the heavenly, the spiritual things. Everything's getting shaken. So that he can figure out and find out who is going to remain and who's going to stand fast when it's all over. I don't know about you, but I still want to be firmly rooted on this foundation when the shaking is over. Praise God, everything has and will be shaken. We hear all the time of men that are uh, uh, swerving away into strange doctrines and, and beliefs, people we had a lot of confidence and admiration for, and they're swerving away because there's a lot of shaking going on. Amen. You better plant your feet firmly in the Word of God and stay put as we heard today. No matter how many questions you have, it still comes back to the same answers. There's just one God. His name is Jesus. And so on. Hallelujah. Let me, just, let me just talk to you for a few minutes about how exceptional this great kingdom is. All of these things that have already been stated along with the price that has been paid through the years. Consider the early New Testament saints. They paid a high price for this. They were imprisoned and they were persecuted and they were tortured and many of them were executed, martyred, massacred. Amen. Men and women just like you and me who love our families the same way that we do watched their babies devoured by wild animals, watched their families slain with the sword and burned with fire. If they would only back down, if they would only recant, if they would only deny this great gospel but with tears running down their face and not understanding why their prayers were not being answered, they watched their families be butchered and they stood fast so that down through the years we could be sitting on these pews tonight. Hallelujah. Praise God, the persecution, the martyrs are down through. The, and you know what? It's going on still today in some parts of the world while we're sitting comfortably on these padded pews and walking on this carpet and enjoying this air conditioning. There are people that are on the run tonight. 
Amen. Some of them don't even have the truth we have. All they have is a confession of Jesus. All they have is a belief in Jesus. That's all they have. And they are paying a huge price for it. And they're on the run. And they're burying their children because they're dying of starvation while they run. And they're being beheaded. And they're being butchered and massacred. And some of us can some of us are ashamed to bow our head and pray in a public restroom. Uh, a restaurant rather. Down through the centuries, amen, so many of the saints, amen, the dark ages and so on, uh, tortured and, and tormented because of this great gospel. But they were part of this kingdom. Amen. Down to the pioneers in America. And even in the early part of the last century when the Holy Ghost fell. And, and people who pioneered and championed this great truth here in the United States. Amen. Down through the present time. And even missionaries that are going to other nations around the world. And they are leaving families and everything that's familiar to them behind. And they are going into strange cultures and learning different languages, amen, and trying to reach people that they, uh, they have nothing almost in common with in order to declare this great message. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. I come from a missionary family. I grew up on the mission field. So that's a subject that's near and dear to my heart. Over 20 uh, ministers in my family alone, and most of them on the mission field, preaching this gospel to people all over South America and I'm proud of the heritage that I have. I'm just trying to tell you there's a lot of people that have paid a tremendous price for us to have what we have tonight and to be a part of this great and mighty and exceptional kingdom. There's nothing like it anywhere on the earth. Its greatness is unparalleled. It's greater than any empire or nation that has ever risen to the surface. It's greater than any kingdom that has come past or present. It is mightier than any army that has ever marched on the face of this earth. This kingdom is greater than any military force or might that has ever been known. All of the nuclear weaponry that can be uh, consolidated together is not as powerful as one little old widow sister down on her knees, amen, on her threadbare carpet with her worn Bible laying in front of her in prayer, in prayer. There's nothing like this kingdom. There's nothing like the church anywhere, anywhere. It's greater than any of the world's great corporations. It's greater than Microsoft. It's greater than Apple. Come on now. It's greater than any of the great organizations or societies or clubs. There's nothing like it. It's better than any place of entertainment that you can ever go. 
is greater than any Super Bowl game you could ever sit in. Greater than any World Cup competition you could ever attend. It's greater than the great stadiums and coliseums where they gather by the tens of thousands and lift up their voices in a roar as they cheer their teams. There's nothing like the sound of apostolic people with their hands in the air and their voices lifted up singing praises unto God. There's nothing like this. greater than any recreation that, amen, that this world has to offer. Yes, yes it is. And by the way, let me just say again, amen, the true churches of America are not, amen, the, the places that have the church signs out front. It is the sports arenas of America. That's the new religion in America. That's the true religion in America. Over 70% of churches are in decline in America of all denominations, of all faiths. But the sports world is growing and thriving. That's where the money is. That's where the passion is. That's where the emotion is. That's where the excitement is. But not in the apostolic church. greater than any vacation spot that you can ever go to, any tourist attraction you'll ever see. Go ahead and go on your vacations, have a good time, see things that you'd never see any other time. But when it's all said and done, there's an emptiness to it. There's nothing like walking back into the house of God. I don't care if there's 20 people there. I don't care if it's just a handful or a church house full. There's nothing like walking because this is a kingdom that we have received. Amen. That's come down through the centuries and the millenniums. A kingdom which cannot be moved. Lift your hands and worship the Lord tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You can be seated tonight. Praise the Lord. I've said all of that to say this. This exceptional kingdom that we have received, we didn't earn it. We didn't deserve it. We're not worthy of it. There's been a huge price paid for it. There's been a tremendous investment in it. We have just received it. It's been handed to us. Amen. It demands a high level of service. If we are not willing to bring our service level up to an acceptable standard, we are not worthy of this kingdom that we have received. We have examples of greatness that we have to follow and of great dedication to live up to. People who have given their all. People who have given their all. Hallelujah. And anything less than our best is 
unacceptable. I'm going to say it again. Anything less than our best is unacceptable. Unfaithfulness is unacceptable. Mediocrity is unacceptable. A lackadaisical attitude and lukewarm spirit is unacceptable. No wonder Jesus said to the church of the Laodiceans, I wish you were cold or hot, but since you are lukewarm, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. You don't understand what it took to get this to you. And you can sit there like a knot on a log and act uninterested and unconcerned about what is happening around you. Indifference and half-heartedness have no place in this kingdom. If we cannot rise to the occasion and face, amen, today's challenges, we disqualify ourselves because we are following generations of faithful that have come before us and they did their part. We have no excuse we cannot make any self-justifications. Amen. This is our time. This is our hour. And the, king, the world is depending on those that are a part of this kingdom today to rise to the occasion and say we are as good as those that have come before us. We're going to fight. We're going to defend. We're going to prevail. I'm talking about acceptable service to an exceptional kingdom. We need to raise our service level. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. You know what? Attendance to the house of God is not an option. We're coming where David never could come. We're enjoying what the prophets never could enjoy. Come on now. I don't know that Moses ever stood in the Holy of Holies like, like, the, like the high priest did. Amen. But we can come into the holy place tonight and we can enjoy the white heat of the presence and the power of God. There's a question that your children should only have to ask one time in their entire life. And that is, if it's a church day, if they ask the question, are we going to church today? That ought to be the only time they ever ask that question. And your response ought to be, what do you mean, are we going to church tonight? Is it Wednesday night? Is it Sunday? Hey, whatever your service time is, if it's church time, we are going to church now go get yourself ready. Go get cleaned up. I don't understand people that miss church for any little low reason. I don't understand people that will take $20 of overtime over the opportunity to be in the house of God. You're walking in an atmosphere of the innumerable company of angels. What do you have that's better than this? 
What do you have going on that's better than this? I believe you ought to put on the best clothes that you have. I believe you ought to clean yourself up and look the best that you can. I understand there's times folks come straight from work and they can't do it. But your desire should be, if possible, I'm going to look my best. I'm going to the house of the Lord. I'm going to stand in the presence of God. And when you get here, don't come dragging your sorry self in like you've done God a favor by being here. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his holy name. I'm talking about acceptable service to an exceptional kingdom. We've got to take it up a notch. We've got to adjust our attitude. We've got to change our disposition. This isn't something you do half-heartedly. How can you conscientiously give your employer your best all day long and come to church and act bored and indifferent in the presence of God? Praise the Lord. I appreciate the atmosphere of prayer before service at this meeting. But you know prayer is a dying is a dying thing in Pentecost. Oh yeah, it is. Prayer rooms are silent. And even when there is prayer service, you don't hardly hear anything. Praise God. What happened to praying people? This kingdom that we're talking about has been brought to us by praying people. That people, uh, of people who knew how to get a hold of the horns of the altar. Who knew how to break through in prayer. Who knew how to shake the very, amen, gates of hell with their prayers. Now we've got a culture of people, they know how to time it just right. Come to church where they don't have to pray. Or at least come in, set their things down, and meander around and do I don't know what. Or kneel down at their pews and text somebody while prayer service is going on. I'm talking about acceptable service to an exceptional kingdom. This is first and foremost a house of prayer. A house of prayer. What needs to be heard in this house is prayer. Everybody ought to pray. Everybody ought to pray. Everybody ought to pray. What happened to intercessory prayer? What happened to the prayer of travail? What happened to people that knew how to pray until their gut hurt? Now we can preach whole sermons and have altar services and in five minutes people are popping back up. There seems to be no desire to pray. 
And yet we've heard the old timers talk about services that lasted to 11, 12 o'clock at night or longer. It doesn't have to be that way all the time, but there needs to be a disposition in the hearts of people. We are following a tremendous example of those that have come before us. We need to serve God acceptably. Praise the Lord. Same goes for worship. Worship is everybody's business. Worship is everybody's business. Thank God for the musicians. Thank God for the singers. But they can never take your place. Now maybe I'm preaching to the choir literally here tonight. Amen. And maybe you already know this. But everybody ought to worship. Nobody ought to be standing around just checking out what somebody else is wearing. We're in an atmosphere where the angels are worshiping God, where they're glorifying God. We need to join our voices with them. Our hands need to be lifted. Our hearts need to be lifted in worship and praise unto God. You ought to worship Him if you're on the front pew. You ought to worship him if you're on the back pew. Everybody can't sit on the front pew. But there needs to be worship from the platform to the back door. If you're old, middle-aged, or young, amen, you ought to worship him. Well, I came to get a blessing. I'm so sick and tired of that attitude. I came to get a blessing. I know we need a blessing sometimes. But you know what? God's been blessing you since the last time you were here. You come in, come dragging in on Wednesday night asking God for a blessing. He's been blessing you since Sunday. He's kept you and, and saved you and, and protected you, amen, more times than you know. He put food on your table, clothes on your body, shoes on your feet, a car to drive, a job, amen, to pay your bills, a house over your head. He's been blessing you ever since Sunday. I hope they sing the right song tonight so I can get a blessing. I hope the preacher preaches the right message so I can get a blessing. No, let me tell you something. Amen. The highest purpose for coming to church is to worship him. That is your greatest privilege is to worship him. God has been listening to cursing all day long. His name has been taken in vain millions of times for stupid little reasons all day long. All he wants is to come into his house and hear the people he has redeemed with his blood. Lift their hands and their voices and praise him. Come on, somebody praise him. Somebody worship him tonight.
Hallelujah. 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 Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. David said, I will, I will bless the Lord at all times, and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. He has forgiven our iniquities. He's loaded us down daily with benefits. We ought to praise him. I don't care what song they're singing, you ought to praise him. Praise the Lord. Amen. We got, a, we got a big discussion going on in Pentecost these days about, about the old songs versus the new songs. And I understand I'm a part of that discussion. I like a lot of the old songs, the message and a lot of the old songs. I like to sing out of the song books. I'm glad we can still sing. It's all in Him. It's all in Him. Amen. I'm glad we can still sing. There's power in the blood and all of that. Amen. But, but you know what? Uh, th this is not the place to make a statement if they're singing a new chorus that you don't like as much as one of the older songs to stand there and cross your arms and by your lack of response cast your vote and show your displeasure that you, it's time to praise the Lord. I don't care what they're singing. There ought to be a praise in your heart. There ought to be enough reason in your heart to praise Him. Praise Him with the old songs. Praise Him with the new songs. Praise Him with the fast songs. Praise Him with the slow songs. Just everything that hath breath, praise ye the Lord. Hallelujah. Praise God. Uh, you can be seated if you want to. I don't... Don't matter to me, but uh, uh, you know, worship. We need to bring our worship level up. Come to church with your mind made up. I'm gonna praise Him. I'm not gonna wait for somebody to sing just the right song before I praise Him. I'm gonna walk in praising Him. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah! Praise the Lord. I. I remember some of the old choruses, they weren't all that inspiring either. I remember some I heard up in, in the mission field of Kentucky. I've been upon the mountain and I won't come down. I've been upon the mountain and I won't come down. The devil can't do me no harm. No harm, no harm, no harm. And they run the aisles and they shout and they talk in tongues. Amen. And I didn't get a whole lot of, out of it, but you know what? I praised God anyway. Because it was time to praise the Lord. It was time to praise the Lord. Now I will tell you one chorus that I dearly hate. I dearly hate this chorus. I really do. Amen. And yet I do sing it sometimes. And sometimes I lead it. And it's this chorus. The devil don't want no worship going on here. I hate it. I'm going to tell you why I hate it. 
If the only way you can get yourself moving a little bit and worshiping is when we sing about the devil don't want no worship. We are in pretty pitiful shape. Let me tell you what ought to move you. When I think of the goodness of Jesus and all he has done for me, my soul cries out, hallelujah, praise God for saving me. I've already been to the water and I've already been baptized and I've already been converted and I feel, I feel all right. Praise the Lord. Now go ahead and sing that song so the backsliders will join in. Praise the Lord. It'll work when nothing else works. Devil don't want no hand clapping going on here. And I'm probably embarrassing some of you because maybe that's your favorite song in your church. I don't know. Amen. If it is, go ahead and repent over it. And, and those of you that will only worship when that song is being sung, you ought to repent too. He's been better to me than I deserve. Praise God. Amen. What about our response to preaching? I, I believe there should be a response to preaching. And not just to stroke the ego of the one who's doing the preaching. It's not about that. We're not preaching for applause. I'll preach with your response and preach without it. I preached two years on the radio. You don't get no response on the radio. Uh, you better learn how to preach without any amens when you're preaching on the radio. Uh, and, and so I'll preach with or without amens, but it just goes a lot better for all of us. And, and you know what? There's something about you saying amen. It just lends endorsement to what's being said because the devil's up here trying to stuff every word back down the preacher's throat. And it sure helps a lot when especially heads of household are on their feet. That's right, pastor, preach it. Don't let your sons and your daughters have any question about whether you're behind it or not. If you see him struggling to preach because he's dealing with a tough topic, get up on your feet and say, that's right, pastor. We're behind you, preach. Praise the Lord. And for that matter, I still like, amen, the old doctrine, the old themes. I still like to hear one God preaching. It still excites me. Oh, God, here we go again. No, I'm glad to hear. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God. Amen. I appreciate the way this young man read it here tonight. It ought to be read like it's the first time it's ever been read. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God. Come on, say it with me. One God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. 
It's still a one God church. It's still a one God church. Hallelujah. I'm still glad for this Acts 2.38 message. Everybody's trying to find some new, something new and catchy and cutting edge to preach nowadays. We need to hear Acts 2.38 preaching more than we ever have. So that our young people will never leave our churches and be comfortable in a charismatic environment. And maybe you've heard me say it before, but when somebody's preaching Acts 238, I don't care if it's a novice. Just starting out, don't prop up on your elbow. Oh, God. Kind of like that mission that I heard about, Brother Kavanaugh Sr. told about visiting a mission in Chicago that he was helping to support. And the, the man that was there was so proud of what they were doing. And, but it was the deal, Brother Davies, where they had to sit through the service to get the meal. And so they were like Pavlov's dogs. They had learned what they had to say. And so he got up and he was trying to show out, you know, for Brother Kavanaugh because he'd been supporting them. And he said... Men, what do we need to do to be saved? And they all said with a, in one course, repent. <laughs> what else, gentlemen? Be baptized. And just that uninspired. And get the whole, you know, we'll say what we got to do to get the soup later. But I've seen apostolics like that. They can't get excited about this. Let me tell you something. This Acts 2.38 message, it is amazing. It can take a drug addict. It can take a criminal. It can take a pimp or a prostitute and turn them into a brand new creature. It still works today. So every time you hear it preach, hallelujah. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Has that worked for anybody here? Has that changed anybody here? Has that made a difference to anybody here? Praise the Lord. That goes for holiness preaching too. Oh, here we go. Another clothesline message. We're getting so sick and so tired of it. Hey Amen. You wouldn't be as sick and tired of it if you'd see some of the things some of us see as we travel across the country. And even some, some mainstream Pentecostal meetings. Conservative Pentecostal meetings. Praise the Lord, where the skirts are getting shorter and shorter. And they're barely to the knee anymore. And some of them above the knee. And it's not just short sleeves anymore, it's cap sleeves. And plunging necklines. And tight clothes and see-through clothing. And that's just on the girls. Forgive me for getting on this tangent. 
And I'm glad to be in a place where young men look like young men. Not some androgynous, weird crossover deal. Skinny pants, skinny suits. All this strange attire that's showing up in Pentecost. You better thank God and these pastors that are here that are still preaching and still holding the line. We've got a rich heritage to live up to. We have to bring our service level up for this exceptional kingdom. Always something weird and something new coming in. Praise the Lord. Spiky hairdos on the guys. This queerified look. Prancing up to sing in the choir or to play the music. Oh, they're Jim Dandies, all right. See, that's not, that's not, it is happening. It is happening. And some of these big meetings, all they're interested in is getting the people to shout. And they're not telling them anything. Some fancy little sermon that excites, Woo, that was a great point he just made. Man, when I was growing up, they just got up and they preached and they blasted the living daylights out of everything. Isn't that right, Brother Hearn? That's the environment we came up in. They weren't afraid to preach holiness standards and preach against worldliness and ungodliness. Sensual attire. They'd just name it, brother. They'd name it. They'd name it. Why, why are we going to preach against uh, girls cutting their hair if they're just going to fix it to where it looks cut? Reveals what's in their heart. A lot of this marginal makeup that's showing up in Pentecost too. These shiny faces and glossy lips. Nail polish. Maybe you want the atmosphere that a nephew of mine came out of when he came to us. Amen. Oneness Pentecostal church. That today they wear toe rings to church. Not just finger rings, but toe rings. When they walk into youth service, the lights are turned down low. And the fake smoke is rising. And the colored lights and the, and the clang of the, steel, of the electric guitars sounds like a rock concert. So that's what young people need. No, they don't need that. They need an old-fashioned, Holy Ghost-charged atmosphere. How about it, young folks? What kind of church you want to grow up in? What kind of environment you want to be a part of? Let's lift our hands and talk to the Lord. I, I got to wind this up.
Oh, let's get them shouting. That's the, that's the answer to everything. Let's just get them shouting. We have a good shout down service. In fact, if we even get it where the preacher doesn't have to preach, man, that's a, that's, well, whatever happened to consecration services? Whatever happened to services where young people are laying all over the floor, crying their eyes out and getting in touch? That's what's going to help them when they meet the tempter. Preaching like we heard this morning, this afternoon. That's what we need. I'm not against shouting. Don't get me wrong. I just got through preaching about worship. I believe in it. But there's more to it than that. There's more to it than that. Praise God. Amen. I've got I've to hurry and close. The banquets await. Praise the Lord. But I'm talking about an acceptable service for an exceptional kingdom. And that's going to include also what I believe we must have, and that is a passion for souls, an evangelistic fervor, and zeal and outreach. We cannot be content with just enough to have church and pay the bills. We've got to have a love for the souls of lost and dying men. Can I just say that? It may not, may not be as exciting as maybe some of the other things we've said, but I, you know, I, I, I preached in Little Rock last year, and I think some people maybe left their warning if LVR had fallen out of a coconut tree on his head. Talking about the, a return to apostolic supremacy. Because I read in the book of Acts how this message spread. And how it took nations, brother. It shook nations. It got the attention of the leaders, kings, monarchs, governors, Caesar. Paul was able to say this was not done in a corner. This has been, this has been widespread and known. It shook the world then. Say, so, well, that'll never happen again. That'll never happen again. That'll never happen again. Because that was persecution driven. I understand that. And maybe it will take persecution to drive it again. But, but forgive me if one more time I say here tonight, you mean I'm going to have to stand in front of these young men and these young ladies and apologize to them and say what you have read in your Bible and what you've heard has happened in the church prior to you coming here, it just don't happen anymore. Or can we believe that before Jesus comes, there can still be revival? God can still pour out His Spirit. They need to see it. They need to experience it. Not just one or two, but God can fill a half a dozen, ten, in one time. So you're going to go off the deep end thinking that way. No, that's the kind of gospel we have. That's the kind of kingdom we've come into. There are millions of people out there that don't know this. Seven billion people on the face of the earth. The ten largest cities alone account for over 240 million people. Ten cities alone, 240 million people. Most of whom have never known this gospel one little bit. 
whole nations that have been virtually untouched by this message. Amen. And so there is a great need out there. And it's right in our own communities. It's right across the street from our churches. It's right where, and here's the thing that bothers me, is we've got saints that have been in church 20 or 30 years, and they have never brought one person to church. Get quiet now, but it's so anyhow. We're just happy that we get to be a part of it. We're just happy that we get to be rapture ready. Praise the Lord. We don't care about nobody else. We, got, we don't want to go out of our comfort zone. We don't want to knock on no doors. We don't want to teach no Bible studies. We don't want to reach out to nobody. We've got our lives to live and our jobs to work and our houses to clean and our bills to pay. We're too busy for all of that. But there are people out there that are dying today just like you. And they need you. They need, we're going to have to bring our service level up. Last but not least, I think that part of us having an acceptable service for this exceptional kingdom is to reach for more than the ordinary. I thank God for Wednesday night Bible class and just church, just church, just, just ordinary church is still good to be at ordinary church. But, uh, but you know what? This is an extraordinary church an exceptional kingdom, and we are in something that is supernatural and is bigger than what we can imagine. Amen. And somehow or another, our churches have got to reflect that. The need is greater than it has ever been before. And forgive me if I now sound like a broken record. Amen. But there is no reason in this world why in this service tonight somebody couldn't get their healing Right here. Don't go out on a limb, Brother Alviar. I'm sorry. I'm just going to keep going out on that limb. Because we have the same message, the same gospel, the same kingdom. It worked for them. It can work for us. My God still heals cancers. My God still heals sugar diabetes. My God still heals other fatal diseases. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. I know he's not going to heal every time, but he's still a healer. He reserves the right to do what he wants to, but he's still a healer. And here's something I want to leave you with tonight if I can. God has healed somebody somewhere today. Oh, no, 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 no. Let me get your attention. God has healed somebody somewhere today. Why not here? God has answered somebody's prayer today. Why not your prayer? 
God has solved somebody's problem today. Somewhere. It might as well happen here. God has put somebody's home back together somewhere today. It might as well happen here. God has filled somebody with the Holy Ghost somewhere today. It might as well be here. God has saved somebody somewhere today. It might as well be here. The musicians come. I believe the atmosphere is charged right now. We're standing here in place of millions of others that have come before us that have been a part of this exceptional kingdom. Brought it to this point in time. The angels of Almighty God are in this room. And the God that spoke to Moses out of the burning bush, he's here right now. The God we were worshiping earlier in this service is the one the people saw descend on that mount. He is here right now. That's it. That's it. He can work miracles in this room tonight. He can turn situations around here tonight. He can bring revival to churches represented here tonight. He can give you a breakthrough tonight. He can meet your need tonight. He can solve your problem tonight. He can heal your body tonight. Yes, he can. Yes, he can. Yes, he can. Come on. Reach out to him. Reach out to him. Praise God. Hallelujah. 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 Jehovah Jireh. He is my God. Oh! Jehovah Jireh. He is yes. my God. Come on. Reach my out to him. He Reach out to him. He is my 